well, those scenes like where he's running on someone's arm and it's like, no, the second he touched that person's yeah. arm, it'd be like snapped in half sort of a thing. Whose arm is strong enough that they can just hold their arm out and just have a 180 pound, 80 pound man just standing <laughs> on it. Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 258 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm being harassed by hackers. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 9th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity on this show, and that's just a thing that's going to happen. So, you know, I hope you enjoy it. If, if you're not into that, then you can scoot. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We've got a donation from Pure Nix, who says, you did the thing. Thank you. We did indeed. Which, which is true. We did it. So thank you for the for the donation. We'd also like to thank our recurring supporters as well. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. <clears throat> Levelhead. We launched it last week. Uh, we are past the initial first wave. So for those who haven't launched a game before, which is most people, I think. <laughs> yeah. <probably. laughs> The way that these things tend to go is you'll get like a big spike in your first week because that's when all the featuring happens and, and visibility, of course, is the thing that brings in the, the players, right? And so we are now at the end of that first week as we're recording this. So the first spike is over and now we are entering into the slow burn phase, I guess you would say. Um, so we have some stats to talk about. What has happened now over the past over the past week of launch? Um, so here we go. You guys ready? I'm ready. Yep. All yeah. right. So uh, we got eighty three thousand unique players up to this point coming into Levelhead. Um, we also had our first level builder to surpass one thousand followers in the game, which is Specchio. So Big congrats. Congrats. congrats! It's also Congrats-ish. more than one percent of all players. So that's that's pretty good. It's impressive, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so some stats on on player activity just in the past week. Yeah, so this is since okay. launch. Since launch, yeah. Not, this not is not total. Early access, it's, it's not lifetime. This is just in the past week. Um, so our players have spent 10 years playing Levelhead total across mm-hmm. all the players. Five years of that is in the workshop building levels. Um, so that's – Super cool to see. Lots of levels. 21,000 levels have been published cool. uh, in the past week, which is uh, almost three times what we had throughout the entire year of early access. Mm-hmm. So there's some levels. It's hopping. Mm-hmm. It's hopping. It's really – it's moving. There's been more than uh, 10 million plays. Yeah. What? That's a lot. That's pretty good. Um, many of those are – most of those are deaths, of course. Uh, because <laughs> the majority, many yeah. of the levels are very hard. So <laughs> millions of GR18s have been destroyed mm-hmm. in the past week. But that's OK. The, the Bureau has like 35 billion of them. So no big deal. Um, we've got several people who surpassed the uh, one month of generated playtime mark on their levels. So in Levelhead, when you publish a level – or when you publish levels, then we keep track on your profile of how much playtime your levels have generated from other from other players. Um, how, basically, like how much time other people have spent in your levels. So we've got several people who passed the one month mark for that, which is super cool. That's awesome. Um, great to see. Uh, as far as language breakdown goes, uh, most of our players are English. I think seventy uh, percent. Like seventy percent, and we it was we localized the game into twelve languages, um, and we did not know what to expect from that. We're just like, we'll just do it and make it available and see what happens. And uh, Brazil turned out to be our third mm-hmm. third country. Passed so it's U.S. then U.K. and then Brazil. And Brazil uh, is so, just right behind the U.K. Very close. Yeah, so uh, actually, ten so percent of our of our language is uh, from Brazil, from Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. So very cool to Surprise. see. Uh, we've, had, we've had uh, 11 million API requests hitting our website since launch. So in the past That's week. coming from the game and coming from browsers. So just all – everything that Rumpus has had to process. Yeah. Actually, um, wait. Sorry. Which, that, no, that's actually just from the game. That's that just, just from the game. That's just yeah. from the game, yeah. 
So that is uh, an increase. That's a, that's a significant. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and the really important note is that Adam was then able to do some stats on what all those, how those requests are doing, how many of them fail, and found that we have a, this is a casual pat on the back for Adam, a 99.99% reliability. Yeah. Of things definitely working as intended. Plus, uh, yep. plus a, that, that remaining 0.01%, I think, is still mostly acting as intended. Um, I'll have to dig into that one a little bit, but uh, but it's a, yeah. So it's at least one, I guess, at most one in a thousand requests are not resulting in what they're supposed to result in. That's wild. Yes, so that's pretty good. Nice work, uh, Adam. So, so big big thanks to all the people in our uh, Levelhead community who you know have been enthusiastically going nuts on this launch. Uh, it's been fantastic. It's been super fun to to watch, and uh, it's been pretty chill for us mm-hmm. as far as we've got sort of like one one or two bugs that we're we're deploying a patch for um and that patch has hit some of the platforms already and it's kind of working its way out um and now it's kind of on to the the next big thing for us mm-hmm. which is uh the first level head content patch so we kind of took a step back and we were like what do we want to do just cuz we we spent the past 3 4 months preparing level head for launch and we've been on a content freeze. Um, so those of our players who've been in, uh, who were playing level head in early access know that we were adding content like bi-weekly for quite a yeah, while, even weekly then, for a while, even weekly for a while. And then, uh, and then we had to stop because all of a sudden we had to get through console cert and uh, get our login flows updated and develop. Well, basically everything has and, to, yeah, everything has to get synced up, um, including localization and including all the platform certification. So that everybody yeah. who's playing is on the same version of the game, or at least can be. Yeah, pretty or pretty close to the same version. Yeah. The same minor the same version, enough. at least. Yeah. Um, and so things are synced up now. The launch is done. Our deadlines are, are done. We no longer have some external party being like, this has to happen on this date, right? Which means now we get to decide what's about to happen, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Uh, so we took a step back and we were like, what do we want to do for this first content patch. And we decided to A, surprise people with yeah. some pretty pretty wild shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there, there are some items we're going to be adding to the game, which still aren't visible in the patch notes because they're still being prototyped. Yeah, we keep some stuff hidden from you guys, by the way. Um, so. there, there's, there's some game changers coming yeah, actually, down. I mean, all the really interesting, other people have been actually kind of peeping on the on the the patch notes, trying to figure out what's coming, and have latched on to some fun stuff. And but yeah, all the really interesting stuff. Y'all just, guys you guys have no there. idea. <laughs> don't even know. There. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So it. and and it's it's honestly felt like a game jam this past week. Um, you know, once we got past like Monday, Tuesday of just sort of like you know, marketing, things cleaning things up, post launch and whatnot. Um, it's just like Wednesday, Thursday, starting to work on the next big patch. We already got. Several new things in. Sam got uh, ten new visual styles for the paths mm-hmm. made. So we originally had what six or seven, six. Yeah. Um, and now we have ten more. So we can do like Christmas lights and mm-hmm. can make a rope, spooky skulls, spooky skulls. Yeah. So so we're getting some extra cosmetic things, um, things like being able to recolor certain items that previously weren't recolorable. We're, we're definitely putting an emphasis on that. Um, and those things are are uh, pretty fun and easy for us to add because we've already got the assets. So now it's just finding the new color combinations and getting those in. So, so uh, Sam's been putting time into that, and I've been prototyping these these new uh, big game changer items. So our, our goal with this patch is is that um, it should feel like a big deal. Yeah. It should feel like there's a lot of stuff in it, and that um, that you would of course be missing out if you didn't. Just dive right in on a patch day and play around. Cool, basically, like, toys. You know, we do have a, a, a not insignificant fraction of the player base who plays for more than you know a couple hundred hours, and so we want we want it to be the case that when this thing drops, that that everybody's like, "Oh my god, I'm going to get another thousand, thousand hours!" hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, well, and, and the, the nice wonderful thing, is, thing about Levelhead is the combinatorial exactly. aspect. It doesn't take too much actually to make that go uh, when you when you think big thoughts about what the things are going in. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a trip. We're excited. Yeah. And, and several, several of these new items we're adding are 
are going to be so combinatorially interactive with the rest of the game systems. Um, I am, I am so, I'm so excited to see what kinds of wild shit people make out of these things because yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, so that's, that's what we're. I think the different thing about it too is, is going to be watching people trying to figure out how to, because they're game changing enough, right? In terms of like these new these new things, these new secret things. If you use them, they change so much about how a player actually can interact with your level that all the stuff you've gotten so good at learning how to like control for and like and like design experiences around. Just, Unlearn it's that just shit. It's just, I mean, you can still have it for all the stuff that you're still doing, right? Obviously, but yeah. if you if you bring in these new components, you just have to basically do that all over again and figure out. Now that I have this thing, what what are the limits? What you do know? I like, what, do? Yeah. What, yeah, what do I do with this? Uh, and, and yeah, so I think that that was really the goal, right? Is to there's also, so that there's also a fascinating note here. Yeah, which is that we we decided to as far as adding these new items and stuff. You know, previously during. During early access, we would add campaign levels uh, associated usually with with every new item, unless it was uh, just specific switches and stuff. Um, going forward, because we want the campaign to be just a sort of a stable entity. So actually, we won't have levels that are built into the campaign per se uh, that show off any of the new stuff. Um, because we want There's going to be some items that you will only see – in levels made by other players yeah. or in the in the editor. Yeah. And so um, – Which previously wasn't the case. Yeah, we haven't figured out exactly what we want to do in terms of, you know, providing something for people to just play – be able to play through the content uh, without it being player made uh, when, the, when the, the patch launches. So we may do something. I don't know if we're just going to publish some levels ourselves or what, but uh, it might true. provide some – yeah. yeah. So keep an eye out for that, but that's about it. Yeah, and part of it too is – is we get to kind of now we get to kind of lean into the multiplayer aspect of this more because um, we can make these new items and let's say like Sam makes a, a level and publishes it to show off how these new items work and um, once once that's out there then our our players can see that and they can use that as a as a focal point and start teaching each other mm-hmm. you know about how everything works um, so we we actually get to develop content a little bit faster and kind of step back. And not worry so much about teaching every little thing through the campaign and stuff, which is yeah. nice. So, uh, so we're working on that, and uh, no, no specific timelines yet. And honestly, because of things like localization and and uh, console cert, you know, even when it's done, it's still not going to be out for like probably four weeks. So, that's yeah. uh, yeah. so yeah, and, yeah, and maybe more because we we have found that that basically the cert process is now extremely uncertain because of. How other companies Uncertain. are dealing with their COVID stuff. So yeah, yeah. So it could really be at any time. And the nice thing about the state right now, because we don't have that launch, because everything about the launch is it's it's predicated on visibility. That's the whole thing, right? And so that that requires lining up everything to happen at the same moment to make that work. And it requires knowing when that moment is as far in advance as possible, so you can so you can get all the wheels going, right? Um, but for an update. There's basically just the thing has to be ready. That's it. Like the, the product itself has to be ready to go unless we're going to be dumping huge amounts of resources into marketing again, which we currently are not planning to do. So mm-hmm. so we have this nice – like it is just true. It's going to take longer to get out than, than everybody would want. Because it's going to be easy to get it out. But it's going to be easy to get it out and there's not going to be any pressure. So we'll all have to be patient. But it won't be a, it won't be a horrible – Yeah, just play you know, one of nightmare. those other 21,000 levels while you wait. I think yeah. you'll have enough. There's to still do. some yeah, stuff to do. You'll just have to pass the time somehow uh, via playing the infinite game. Um, so, so we're working on that, and then the next sort of thing that we are now rolling around in our brain pans is is how do we how do we also start working on whatever the next project is, right? Because we're a small team, and so you know, unlike a company like. Uh, I don't know, EA or something that that has like 50 different franchises that they're developing all at the same time through lots of different teams. You know, we're a small team and we're doing things pretty much one at a time, right? Um, and so, so we know what the next project is going to be after Levelhead, mm-hmm. um, which should we, should we say it? Yeah, you can tell. It is, it is Crashlands 2. That is, yeah. ha- that is happening. I'm pretty sure we've already announced this, haven't we? We've we said it at it uh, at Shenanicon, and we've yeah. kind of ca- casually mentioned it, but um, we haven't broadcasted it out in any. So I guess now, so way. this is the official announcement. 
that it well, is. This is the yes. official announcement. This is us just saying we're working on it. I think this the is us speaking privately yeah. to <laughs> a public audience. To our public audience of podcast listeners. Yeah, the um, official announcement so, is retail press and all that stuff. I get all trailer and all that, you know. Thing. Yes. This ain't so cra- Crashlands 2 will not be the name of it, probably. Um, or probably it will be, actually, because otherwise, how do we leverage the SEO that we get from Crashlands? Well, it would probably be Crashlands and then some cool subtitle yeah. or something like yeah. that. Like um, subtitle. Do you remember when originally right. Crashlands, <laughs> the, the subtitle was going to be subtitle? Because mm-hmm. it was yeah. going to be like under a quadrupus rampage underwater. <laughs> yeah. We were like, what if Crashlands 2 was under the ocean? Crashlands yeah. subtitle. Um, Which who knows? Yeah, so maybe we're, it will we're be. Still in the, not. Yeah, we're still in the, uh, in the design phase of, of Crashlands 2. So the we're kind of ideation like, phase. Yeah. yeah so sure. we're working on, on level head updates um, while sort of taking some time on the side to start specking out what Crashlands 2 is going to, to look like and what it's going to be. Um, and the thing that we want to make sure that we do well this time around is, is that we really uh, quickly like ramp up right into Crashlands 2 once we can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once it makes sense. Because back when we launched OG Crashlands in 2016, um, that was in January 2016. And we did not start work on Levelhead until January 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did a lot of things in the middle. You know, but one of the things we didn't do was start making imme- game. immediately start making uh, the game that turned out to and, be. Our and we next should game. also talk about why it's so important to move on to the next thing, right? Because with with Levelhead, because the business deals that we have, and and with the initial wave of players that came in, and all of that, um, we're it looks like we're going to be financially fine for roughly the next two years, right? Yep. But if if there's no way for us to have another dice to roll at that time. In terms of publishing another game, that we could rapidly we're gonna, be not. We're going to we're going to rapidly be getting into trouble, uh, and so we have to be able to plan out at two years in the head and start to work on stuff. Because the reality is that once once a game is out, uh, in in the vast majority of cases, sort of it's it's the money it's going to make is is largely made in the first like month, right? Yeah, so it's referred to as like the spike and then the tail, right? Yeah. So, um, so that that's kind of the. You have to kind of evaluate your as a as a game studio. You have to evaluate your future based on the the residual income off of games mm-hmm. in the tail um, after that initial you know first month or, or so of of launch. Yeah. Um, and that, that's that's true for a pay up front game. So there there are games that are like you know free games that are filled with microtransactions. Um, and the goal for those games is to continuously make more and more money over time, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're they're trying to to pull income out of their player base. Week by forever. week, yeah. you know, out of the same players, um, and that's that's not our model. Which does mean that um, that developing the next project is also a pretty big priority. Yeah, we just have to make point, sure we right? really keep an eye on the on the basically the, the finances to make sure we don't do something dumb, right? So it's like yes, just because yeah. <laughs> so we can't we're not, even if we wanted just to like keep on making level head content for a year, right? Um, the the outcome of that is almost definitely that we're going to end up bankrupting the studio in two years. So now it's a balance. It's yeah. not, or rather, it's not about like continuously making level head content for the next year. Now it's 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 figuring out the mixture, right? Yeah. Of getting level head content out while also uh, developing the next game. Yeah, and, so, and the beauty is is that because level head is already finished and because it's well designed from a sort of a code and project perspective. And because like we already know what the game is, you know, so it's it's easier to come up with a new thing and then get it in. And so that means that we don't have to be spending 100 percent of development time working on content to provide lots of content. Correct. Um, We can provide we can actually do it in a pretty small subset of time so that the larger subset, which is the much, much more costly, much more difficult part, can go into the creation of a new game. And we actually we didn't didn't really talk that much about uh, what you think is because we like to be a little bit transparent about kind of what it looks like to make games and how hard it is, right? And so when it comes to this whole idea of like the financial runway, we didn't talk that much about where we were when we launched Levelhead in terms of like how things went out. And I think without any details, it's, it's worth saying that we were actually very lucky because if a few things hadn't turned out the way that they did um, with some business deals and stuff, we'd be in real trouble, mm-hmm. like real trouble right now. Yep. And we actually, totally. if we hadn't gotten the game out and, and if, if uh, and everybody knows about the play on deal that we got last year that we're we, without any details, of course, right? But yeah, but uh, where for a while, you know, Crashlands was was a, a subscription title in this other service, 
Uh, and it's one of the things with that, like if that deal hadn't happened, we would have had to have launched Levelhead by December or yeah. we would have been yep. out of money, right? Yep. And, uh, and it's just, there, it's just there really a lot of things. There's that, a lot of things that had to that had to work the way that they did. And, and I, think it, I think it's just important to pull back the curtain on some of this stuff just to say like uh, – It's not always comfortable over no, here. No, and even, when, <laughs> even, yeah, even from the outside when things – like because we're, you know, we're talking about these really big numbers that we have with the game and all this stuff. Um, and uh, and it's, it's important for us to also say like – but it's not just – it's not just roses, right? This is actually really hard and we got lucky in a lot of ways. And and it's lucky through also work, right? It's not just things don't fall in your lap. It's a combination. We of went that. out we went out and found that luck, yeah. but yeah. And, <laughs> but, it, but it still had to all come together and and just like with the launch of Crashlands itself, like when we launched Crashlands, we were almost out of money. We had $500 left in the bank. Yeah. So my goal, <laughs> so we launched my goal is for us to launch <laughs> launch another game and still have like a year of runway left. Yeah, because that's I'd the like goal. Because Yeah, because the thing is like if if for this next – if for Crashlands 2, if we can't line up the business deals that we're hoping to line up mm-hmm. uh, and then if – Then it's going to be a real gamble. It's going to be a real gamble. And then if that gamble doesn't pay off because we can't get anybody to talk about it or we can't get anybody to buy it or whatever – then if we didn't have any runway left at that point, we're just You're toast. Dead. The studio is done now, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so and we so have to be safe. We have to be safe, and that means that pivoting to the next title as soon as possible is always going to be the best move mm-hmm. for a yeah. premium title, right? Yeah. Yes. So so we got a, an interesting balance to strike over the course of the next year. Um, and we'll, talk, we'll be talking about that on the yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but rest assured that we are in a good spot right now, and we have big plans – and lots of good things are coming yeah. in the near future. Yeah. Um, so otherwise, as far as uh, studio news, speaking of the long term, we have been working from home for two, almost two months. March 16th. Yeah. Okay. So just under two months. Um, it's been going fine. It's a bit, still a bit weird, and I still definitely prefer being in a, the same place. Um, but the reality of – the world right now is, of course, that that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And based on everything that we've uh, we've seen, there's just no reason to think that that's going to change even within the next 18 months or so. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be just just shutting down the physical studio. Oh, and even if it was, even if it was likely to change within three months, that's still three months of paying rent. A lot no of rent reason. for no yeah. for no actual benefit, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so what what we did when we when we shifted to working from home is we literally just all went home. Like that was the whole thing yeah. that happened. Well, I think sure and Jordan got wheelbarrows and, and took all the devices. They shipped out some <laughs> some, uh, some devices. Yeah. Um, so that that happened, um, but all we still have our equipment there. We we still got a lot of stuff there. We and and we didn't like we didn't just move out. We just left pretty much. Um, so now, now we've got to sort of figure out how to divvy up the build machines and do all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah. It, well, I think, I mean, it is going to save us a ton of money over the, over the next couple, couple of years. So. Oh yeah. It'll be, I mean, it's, it's really good as far as bottom line stuff goes, but I think the, the, the interesting part about remote work has been, I think for me that the, the daily balance is very different. Because it's literally, I mean, like we only drove for like twenty minutes. I think Seth had the longest commute at like sometimes forty-five minutes, right? Um, yeah, if it was traffic, and it doesn't seem like that much. But the removal of that from day life—I don't know about for you guys, but like it's just—it's sort of made everything a lot easier. Like I go for a long walk with my wife now in the morning because like I, I feel like I feel like the way I would describe it is it depressurizes yes. your free time. Hundred percent, right? Because like, because your work time is fixed. You know, you'd be like nine to five, boom, boom, boom. Those are the times you're at work. But work would sometimes expand. You know, like maybe you're working on something you're pumped about, and you'd stay for an extra thirty minutes or forty five minutes or something, and then get stuck. And then you've <laughs> then you've still got that that commute afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so just having that extra thirty to sixty minutes a day, just for yourself, you know. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah but even, even just, just so good. Yeah. Just, but even just ha- like the existence, the knowledge of the existence of the commute itself. Because in, in some ways it's kind of nice because it draws a boundary, right? Between like you're at home, you go to work, you come back home. Um, but I think that, that concept of depressurization is good and it goes in both directions, right? Where where now getting ready to go to work in the morning, you're just like, I'm just going to be at my computer by nine. Like that's, that's the whole thing, right? Um, yeah. And – 
And so I know at least for me, now I just spend a lot more time in the morning, like taking care of the cats and talking to my wife. And like, mm-hmm. there's a lot more time to hang with because at any moment I could just run upstairs and turn on my webcam and I'm like, and I'm on, I'm, I'm at work. Right. And so that, that sort of part of the thing is, is just significantly depressurized, but also at the end of the work day, um, we do our stand down at, you know, roughly on the dot, I guess at, at 5 PM. Um, but always really close to that time. And if I'm still working on stuff, uh, the work day is ended, but I'm not like, okay, now I have to figure out like when does when do, when do I have to deal with traffic? Like do I need to go you don't to the have to coordinate the home? Anything. There's nothing to coordinate. I'm just like, yeah. do I want to keep on working on what I'm working on? And if so, I just can. And then at the moment I'm just like, that's probably good. Then I can just deny you're done. I'm, just <laughs> I'm done now. And then you just look slightly to the side and now you're spending time with your wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think I think there there are aspects of it socially that do kind of suck because it takes away a lot of the social aspect of the work. Um, well, we were laughing and, before the podcast recording started because now every time we do a podcast, the three of us chat for basically an hour to an hour and a half before the podcast starts. Because yeah, we, we actually haven't – yeah, we haven't just chatted for the yeah. whole week because it's always very work-oriented, right? Uh, and so even though those chats are usually still work-oriented, they're, they're sort of more of the exploratory like, oh, well, what do you think about this? Or like, how are you guys feeling about this? I played this game. What about that? Um and so we we don't have any actual space for that, uh, you know. There's no water cooler. Yeah, and so we we try to create some structures for that uh, as far as like how the studio works with like a, the Friday town halls and some of these things, but they're they're not still not quite be, there. Yeah, it's not going to well, be it's because it's not even it's it's actually a, a more fundamental structural problem, which is just the concept of of a random social interruption, right? Which mm-hmm. which in and I'm not 100% convinced that this is a, a net loss, actually, at least for me, for my, for my own work. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, in the office setting, like, if something interesting would happen, somebody would exclaim something and it would be like, oh, what's going on? And now, like, now something interesting is mm-hmm. going on and everybody has a, yeah. has a, has a social chat, right? Um, in the context of – but that, that also means that you get derailed, right? So there's there's a social benefit and there's also a, like, you get in your work done cost. And, and of course, like, we're not just about maximizing work. The, the work part, right? So it's – but it's still like if I'm in the middle of something and trying to get something really hard and like conceptual done, um, I would much prefer to not have that interruption, you know, like because because I want to yeah. get that thing done. And so so what I found is that my ability to like focus and get work done uh, is far higher because of the absence of the random social exclamation, right? But yeah. I think that that random social exclamation, uh, or two people getting up to like go get coffee at the same time or whatever, right? That, like that component. Um, that's missing that I think there is like real strong social and then just personal value to uh, the offset of that is this dramatic improvement in how I feel about the work that I'm doing. And hmm. so I feel like in terms of like the social part, I think I just need to get that somehow else instead of like trying to reproduce that. Cause I think the, the cost that it created um, is one that's gone now and I actually like the fact that it's gone. So yeah, I'll be, me, that's, like, that's where I'm with like, the, okay. But it's just like, yeah, how do we how do we still get back that aspect of like it felt like we had a social day. It always felt like at, at the office, it always felt like we had a social day no matter how mm-hmm. in the weeds we were working on stuff, right? And now it basically never does. And I think the question is how do we get that piece back, right? Because I think structure is weird because like, the reason that that was so social <laughs> is because it wasn't structured. Because like the town halls are fine, but they're structured. So they don't, to me, they don't feel like a social experience. It's just like well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you it's take turns, between, everybody, you know? Yeah, it's the difference between like you – you getting a cup of coffee with someone randomly versus, of course, like my dog, my dog's <laughs> screaming in the background. Um, yeah. Versus work from home. Yeah. Versus like you know, basically standing up and going, "I'm going to go get some coffee. Does anybody want to come?" Yeah. And then like whoever randomly volunteers, but that's such a weird thing to try to figure out how to do remotely because it's like, yeah. oh, do you bring your phone with you? You Discord chat. Yeah. There's just nothing like that. But also, but also now, and again, this is why I think the. There's a trade-off here, but I'm not sure that we need to reproduce the original because, like, now yeah, I when, I go take, when I go take my break, uh, I go talk to Jenny. I go talk to my wife, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it used to be that I would, like, be talking to somebody in the office or 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 just, like, thinking on my own as I walked out, which I still do. But now now I'm either just, like, thinking on my own or I'm playing with kittens for a little bit or I'm talking to my wife on all of my breaks, right? Which has been an enormous improvement to my home and my my interpersonal relationship with my wife. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's gone way up and my work relationships have all gotten uh, f- fuzzier and more tenuous. Right. And so it's a trade, but not a bad trade. It's you know, just trade. different now. It's yeah. just different now. And so, so I think that one of our goals when we set up, when we set to work 
to do work from home was to say, how do we recreate what we had at the office, right? And I think we did a really good job of of recreating the the key components of it that make the thing work and be like make make it so that work is enjoyable and so that so it's that easy. we can be productive and so that it's all easy and so that so everyone's just having a having a overall good time doing the work and being colleagues, right? Um, and I think maybe we can stop there. You know, like maybe yeah. maybe what we what we did <laughs> is actually great, and that and the kind of the reality of remote work is that there are some pieces that you trade for for a change in your home life that's actually really good and then yeah. that's just that's just you fun. can't necessarily have it all no no there no, are you, can, you can't you can try but you can't you let's get on to some questions it. let's do it uh these questions come from our listeners over at podcast podcast these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net our top upvoted question isn't a question it comes from <laughs> comes from Jablong Funko Gordy. Oh, Jablong says, with these not question questions. Classic Jablong. Classic Jablong. Who says, Levelhead is a beautiful game and I'm so happy for you guys to have launched it. Seems to me from the outside that it was successful. Nothing crashed or anything like that. That's all. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to <laughs> updates and juicy news on how the launch went and how things develop in the coming months. I will say I like, I was, I like the model of success as things didn't, didn't crash, crash too much. Yeah, <laughs> that you know of. Yeah, that we know. It's the engineer's model of success. <laughs> yeah, I think the. I was super excited because one of the reviewers said that the graphics had the graphics or the the art was wonderful and had a was definitely a star quality. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I am. That's just a pathfinding algorithm, so. <laughs> yeah, right. but a, but a pretty good one. It's used all the time. It's a very good pathfinding algorithm. Yeah, A-star. I was very happy about it. Yeah, and we also got. Uh, we got a review from the Nintendo Life. Yeah, it's probably the who, biggest publication that's covered it so far, to be honest, yeah, so like in terms of a formal review. Yep, so they gave Levelhead 9 out of 10. Um, their biggest complaint about it was that the first line was, that Mario Maker 2 exists. Mm-hmm. That's their... <laughs> that's that's, that's minus one. Yeah, yeah they're not wrong. <laughs> that's true. That is That has been a, a bit of a thorn in our yeah. side. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I mean... They yeah. did. They did go on to talk about like how how we we did do a lot of big innovations in the genre and how the gameplay is very distinct and it has its own flavor and its own thing. Um, it's really fun reading reviews where people get it, like really yeah. get it, because they dug into like yeah. every single aspect of how the whole thing sings together. And and yeah, it was that was a fun one to read. Not just because it was a nine out of ten, of course, but that helped a lot at the end of the day. Yeah. And they, they also did mention that one of the cons of the game is that there's a lot of items in the game, yep, which can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I mean, I feel like that's a good thing, but, you know, to each their own. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we also said, too, if there weren't – if there were fewer – if there were half as many items, then the, the con instead would have been there aren't enough items. There's not enough game. items, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm I'm happy that that's the downside is that there's so many things in the game that, it's, that it can, can be overwhelming because yeah. I get that. But it's actually – this is that, an interesting thing just to think about from a, from a people doing reviews perspective, right, is they're always citing the cons, right? So in this case, th- there's this con that there's too many items, right? Um, yeah. But the – if the opposite I just, of your I just con wish, is also a con. Yeah, I just I just wish they would take the next step and just ask like, okay, so what would it mean to solve this, right? Because in their case, it's like so. So one thing they could do is introduce the content over time, right? Which we did. If you Which remember did, early access, people, people who sent yeah. me literal hate. That mail. was also a con. <laughs> yeah, that was also basically a con. the fact that the game has items. Just is a con. Gener- well, it's a, it's <laughs> a con generator, right? It's a- and either either there's going to be not enough of them, there's going to be too many of them, or they're going to be delivered in a way that it's not the way you want. You don't just have them all. Yeah. So I'm like, like I said, there, there's some some things you just can't win, and some things are just kind of an expression of the kind of game yeah, that it is. That's very true. And not not every game style. Um, checks all the boxes for every person. Well, it's, not, it's not even and just like, that. That's actually. fine. Is that, that a thing can just generate cons by so, – Just it, by existing. By existing, right? And that's actually yeah. fine because the if the pros outweigh them, right? So in this case, it's like having a level editor, right, with stuff that is interesting. That has to. It has to generate a list of things that no it's matter complex. how we do them, some yep. people will like and some people won't, right? Because there's no way to then have that. There's no way to have that concept of a level editor with interesting components that – that we can then solve every aspect for everybody of of all the cons that that generates, right? Yeah, and yeah. and I think that at some point that just has to be okay. I think I think the interesting, and it has to be okay with us as de- as developers and designers to say like, 
we can't. It's how it is. It's how it is. Like it has yeah, to be this way, is. right? Yep. Um, and I think the interesting thing from the from the reviewer standpoint is that that's not how that's not how they're evaluating stuff at all, right? And this is true for players as reviewers. It's true for yeah for more official reviewers, right? You mean it doesn't go is, beyond to ask the alternative? The alternative yeah, they question? there's no yeah. step to ask like, but is there a really good reason for this this con, right? Because the because the reason for that con is because you want a lot of content. You want a lot of content in an editor, right? And yeah. uh, and yeah, so, try to not overwhelm you that one time. But that made you overwhelmed with rage. Turn yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think, I think it's interesting, and this, this is why these these never bother me at all. Um, I think everyone's no, great. Oh no, annoyed, yeah. But. yeah. I think there's. Uh, I mean, I think with with stuff like this, it's also fun because I mean, there's you know, when you think about this from a design standpoint, uh, there are there are actually dozens of ways to try to get at this particular point, right? Because it is true. There's just a shitload of stuff in the editor, um, and we have the tutorial. Which I guarantee you, if we didn't have the tutorial in there, that would have been a con on everybody's list that yeah, the game is absolutely right. overwhelming. Um, and so interestingly, it's not actually about the number of items. It's not. It's actually about the presentation and the teaching of the number of items, right? Yep. Um, the problem is once you get to some certain level of scale and complexity, then if it's the case, for example, that every item in Levelhead, because it interacts with everything else, <laughs> requires five minutes of a tutorial or even a couple minutes, mm-hmm. and you have – like now, I think we have like 100-something – total like maybe variants and things um we have more than that yeah, yeah. so like even then like now you, now the tutorial is overwhelming so like at, at some point there's going to be some well and so there's just there's just a lot of stuff but it's, it's and really there's cool. about to be more there's about so, to be more yeah it's about stuff that's not even taught right yeah yeah a lot of stuff is not taught because it's, it's about to find that balance of with, with a game like this then our goal is to say we want to give you enough that you don't feel like you're completely overwhelmed and that you're excited about exploring because if we can get you into that state, then you can do the rest of the work. And also that things aren't confusing for, for no yeah. good fucking reason, right? So, so the UI needs to be intuitive and feel good and all that. Because if, if all this stuff is designed well so that you can figure stuff out yourself, then we just have to get – you just we just have to gently get you in there, right? And, and yeah. that, was our, well, that was our goal and I think – I feel good about how we did it. I think we could have done it a few other ways that also probably would have been fine. But I don't think they would have – they would have been side grades. They wouldn't have been – Yeah. Well, upgrades. this is the concept of, uh, of a local maxima. Right, which is like because of the the context in which all these game systems live, there's a certain peak at which point like they kind of get as good as they're gonna get, and you can do it differently. Yeah, you can go to another peak entirely, but it's but, still pretty much gonna end up at about yeah. the same level. Or you just get diminishing um, returns. Because I think the the other one that we could do is like a, a basically a few other tutorial esque workshop things that we could use. Like so, same sort of idea. Walk people through like how paths work, you know, mm-hmm. or a couple more, which honestly would be totally cool to do. Um, but as far as like the, the marginal benefit you get there, it's actually like you're, you're in marginal benefit territory now. Right. Cause like, yeah, yeah. If it's the case that someone didn't want to stick around for the first one, they sure as hell aren't going to stick around for number two or three uh, yep. in terms of like how to teach stuff. So yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, the reviews have been really, really good for the game. It's been really fun to see. And mainly for me, it's like seeing players constantly. The other nice thing about, we did this in Crashlands is like Crashlands is very, uh, transparent about every single thing that goes on in it. There's very few secrets that the game has. Uh, yeah. Level head, there's people who've been playing for thousands of hours who are just finding out certain things about how elements interact. And it is so fun to see in the Discord when players realize certain things are possible or when a, when a more experienced player sort of gifts that knowledge to them and they're like, what? You can what? And it's just yeah. so fun. There's there's value in the game not telling you literally everything mm-hmm. because then you can go learn it from other people, which is much cooler and more interesting. Yeah. I think actually I think the most fun so, way this manifests too is that is that people make, you know, one of their first good levels, you know, that they like really really took the time they felt really good about. And they post it, they've got they've of course got the top mm-hmm. score because they're the one who published it and you always start with the top score. And they get unseated immediately with a score that is so much better than theirs that they are certain that person's cheating, right? Just <laughs> and so then they come into the Discord or they go, or they go, they go try to figure out like what, like what is going How? on here? Like why is this allowed, right? Like why could this person get six seconds on my level that it took me a, a whole minute and a half to beat or whatever? Uh, and then they, and just because they just didn't know certain things that you could do, that then the community is like, oh yeah, well because now it, since you since you you let a person have a thing. And now they can get across any terrain in the universe, right? Yep. Like, there's like <laughs> yes. there are these things that that, people, that players would have no idea about, but they then have to go learn uh, because they get to see the really skilled people doing cool stuff. Um, and then they and then and then just seeing this kind of like 
this arms race between the people who want to just cheese the shit out of levels to speedrun them. Oh, man, the speedrunners want to make yeah, who want to make levels that are not cheesable. And and the interesting opinions on both sides too, where like this like hardcore speedrunners believe that everything is for them, right? They're like they're like you shouldn't put you shouldn't prevent me from doing this stuff because like that's that is the that is the reason for its existence. That's the fun for, for me. To speed well, exactly. yeah. So there's an interesting one, which is that the, the final level of the game, if you're really, really good at, at cheesing stuff, the speedrunners have found a way to, to shortcut it and like very, very rapidly shortcut the whole thing. And this is something that came up actually before we published uh, – before we fully baked the build and published it. And I fixed it as best I could and they found out still another way to do it <laughs> that is like very precise. Like you yeah. have to – I've watched them do it a couple of times. Like they have, you have to do it a bunch – before it like hits. So it's not exactly like an easy thing to just pull off. Uh, but it's like, it's like a several minute level. And if you, but if you can cheese this thing, then it's, then it's a few seconds. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if, so it's worth trying to cheese it like 20 times. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. It's time. a, but I know, I know I've talked to the speedrunning community. And this is also part of the reason why we we're not making big updates to the campaigns. Cause we want, the, we want the campaign to be able to be a thing that the speedrunners can, can go have some fun yeah. on. Can become um, experts at and, and find yeah. all the cheese. And so, but that's what I've uh, we've talked about because they they actually ruled that out. So you can't, as far as like an official run for Levelhead, the speedrunning community has just agreed that if that cheese is present in that level, even if it is going forward, that you don't take it. Because you actually don't get to showcase skill, right? You know, because yeah, it's just like whatever. You just do the silly thing at the beginning of level. Yeah, um, it's a pure shortcut. Yeah, so the speedrunning community is one of of honor and grace. <laughs> well, and <laughs> it also, it's it's all about <laughs> transparency, actually, right? because because you'll see contests where they say where the, where the goal is just. To get from point A to point B as fast as possible, including any like hacks and whatever like fucked up yep. things along the way, because what they're demonstrating there is a combination of mastery of skill and knowledge of the game and the game mechanics and, yeah. the, and the specific mm-hmm. design of, of uh, parts of it, right? And so, so somebody knowing in that in that last level that there's like if they just do a thing exactly super precisely correctly, they can shave an entire two minutes off of it is a perfectly valid and awesome way to do like a full speed run of the campaign. Right. It's a terrible way to do a speed run of the level because that doesn't showcase enough of interesting stuff right mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it's really interesting to kind of see because i fall on i fall now uh, just after a lot of thought basically and, and soul searching on the side of of uh things actually should kind of generally be both for speedrunners and for everyone else but not but not as a hard rule right so if yep. we have a level where like it's a it's a camera chase level right Speedrunners fucking hate those. They, they hate <laughs> these. They can't, can't get. They can't, can't, get, out. They can't get yep. any faster than the camera, right? <laughs> so they hate it, and and they're oh, and and, like, and we see complaints <laughs> then of people being like, you you shouldn't have this kind of level because speedrunners can't play it. And like, I would disagree fundamentally because yep. the game isn't for specifically speedrunners, but we want to make sure that speedrunners get to still do their thing a large fraction of the time, right? And so I yep. think you see the same thing cropping up constantly in the chat between players, where a player makes a level and they're so upset and pissed. But a speedrunner speed found just, a shortcut, right? <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and so they want to then go like wall that off and prevent it from happening ever again. And uh, and so it, it's, just, it's really just fun to see that sort of, sort of <laughs> counterbalance of opinions about how – what it means to like make and play levels and, and games that we ourselves had to go through as we were making stuff that players – Oh, yeah. I mean with the campaign, you know? like I, it's really – you can play the campaign with multiplayer, of course. But certain levels just don't work very no, well. Certain levels are completely trivialized. Yeah. By multiplayer. Because you can pick yeah. up your friend levels, and just chuck them, right? Yeah, and some levels are almost impossible in multiplayer. Yep. Whatever. So, yeah, what we said was like, you know what? We're building it for a single player, and it should just be fun. As long as it's still fun to try and do what you should not be doing, which is yep. two to four people also playing through this level. Yep. Uh, and the thing is, because of just the nature of control and level head, it's hilarious. And so it doesn't matter. Like, at that point, you're in a playground. You know? You're just murdering your friends in a playground, and it's just kind of fun. And so – the purpose of the level shifts entirely from being about mechanical skill to just being this like mm-hmm. goofy social experience. And so, yeah. And I'm sure there'll be some like speed running competition for like two player co-op, hundred percent campaign clear or something mm-hmm. like that, that, which would be, would be hilarious. Incredible. It would be very hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not with a game like Levelhead where there's essentially infinite content. Um, not every single thing is going to be for every single person, and that's kind of what's awesome about it. Yeah, is that there's fine. there is actually something for everyone, um, and that's okay. Yeah, you know? and if somebody if there's somebody out there who just like hates cheese, right, and wants to just and that person will have to now become a master of of what speedrunners know how to do and all the different tech in the game and stuff, right, so that they can now build levels specifically to fight against. But like that in itself becomes really interesting and cool because now yep. speedrunners. Have a new challenge, which is to try to 
try to get that guy, right? And try, try to <laughs> they find will. the cheese. And even if they can't, now they're competing purely on just like raw skill and speed without any yep. without any like workarounds Skips. around the design. And so then it still gets really interesting. Even like so, even they have all these subsets of people who have completely different attitudes and beliefs about like what what is for who and who should be making what. What should I be allowed to do? Um, everybody gets to coexist at the same time. You get to kind of see them just battle it out in real time. You know, it's very mm-hmm. it's very fun and interesting. Yeah, I've been really yeah. Happy. All right, our next question comes from Beaky Boop, who says, "What is a concept you understand very well, or a skill that you have mastered that isn't useful?" Mm. We have to All debate right, well, what is useful, though, to answer this so question. So I, I got, I got a couple. Hit me. I, I don't. I, I would say I used to understand these very well, but because they aren't useful, I stopped giving a shit. <laughs> uh, which is economics and finance. <laughs> <laughs> so we just I don't, uh, economics think, degree like two weeks ago. To yeah, do I don't the, think that's true. No, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> All right, hit me. The theories of economics are. Hundred percent wrong yeah, because true. they are built around people being rational, rational utility maximizers who have perfect information, which describes absolutely no one yeah. in any situation ever. Yeah, yeah. Period. Yeah, even right? even one piece of the three piece problem. Rational. Right. You will you will never meet origin, any yeah. one of those pieces. Yeah. Uh, and so so economics is interesting. You know, at a high level, but when it comes to practical applications of the theories that you learn and in an undergraduate economics degree, um, they do not apply full stop to any real world. So, because I, I still, so I, it is true that you can't take those theories and, and then produce facts about the world, right? Yes, but uh, I still disagree on the not useful thing because what. No. What it what it has taught you is a way of approaching certain kinds of problems, right? And and approaching certain kinds of data, so that while well, yeah, I think economics is bullshit. I'm just going to come out and say that outright. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's always <laughs> been wrong. I don't even know why we do it. Um, but it is for fun. But it's for fun, basically, right? And, and actually, it's a useful intellectual <laughs> exercise because you get to use it to try to like to learn how, learn different ways to kind of like grasp parts of the world, right? Well, yeah, so, the, so the useful thing about it is that economics uh it the skill that it actually gives you is is modeling. Yeah. So exactly. it's the idea it's the idea of uh, trying to think about what is happening in the world and trying to come up with mathematical models to explain it and then you can run analysis. Well, that's what, that's what I would models. argue that it's not it's not like a useless thing. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so so this so that skill that came out of that is useful. But the core ideas of economics right. are actually not. But then also, but you can't have um, one without the other because you needed those core ideas to develop to be able the, to build a model. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. But it is fair to say that one of them is useful and one isn't. Just no, like, but I think you, I think you can't disconnect you, them. Is what you I'm can't saying. disconnect them. So you yeah. can't you can't have one be useful because the utility of that one comes from the useless thing, which then gives it a mm. use. You know, so so I just think my my opinion on this is that there's no <laughs> such thing as useless knowledge. That's my that is my hardcore. What about like very specific uh, Star Wars trivia? It helps you. It shit. helps you think about storytelling. It helps you think about well, yeah, it, characters. It, it builds. It helps you build a community. It gives it you something character. to yell at people about mm-hmm. on the internet. You know, like there's yeah, no there's fair. no end to any piece of knowledge. Like in the usefulness is always built on context, right? So yeah. like if again if you took that Star Wars person and you put them in a room with a bunch of people who like baseball then like that person's knowledge is now useless in that context because they're not necessarily cross talking. But the baseball person, if you supplant them into a Star Wars community, except baseball bats are basically lightsabers. So you know you got now I you've mean, got they a are. place you can meet in the middle. That even though you don't know anything about baseball, you know about lightsabers. You can still be like I'm into people swinging in conversation. Stuff. I don't know if anybody has ever uttered the sentence. <laughs> baseball bats are basically lightsabers. <laughs> Somebody must have. There are a lot of people out there. Yeah, enough that. No, I I will I will concede that point that. Any piece of knowledge can become useful when applied in the right context, or and or actually when, can when become used. even more useful when applied in a surprising context. Which is again, yes, what I think true. I think Lateral it's not that thinking. it's useless. I think you just haven't found a way to apply it yet. I think the I think the worst you can say about a piece of knowledge is that you haven't found a way to apply it. I don't think you can say it just is inherently useless. Yes. Mm. Well, yeah, and it's, in some cases, you I think you can say that it may be useless 
in the context that it was originally intended for. That's possible. So this this is where I feel about like economic theory or even even a so I'm a, I'm a chartered financial analyst and as I was getting my fi- finance degree and studying for the CFA exam, everything in there is about running analysis on uh, valuation of companies and debt and interest rates and all these things, right? And some some of those things are useful, um, but the the broader use for a CFA degree is this idea of analyzing a company to see how much it is worth. Mm-hmm. And this is where things like trying to predict stock prices come in. But one of the things that any finance person worth their salt will tell you is that you cannot beat the market reliably. Mm-hmm. Might because as well in index funds or hire a bunch of monkeys to make your bets for you. Yes, mm-hmm. because all the predictions you make – are based on a huge number of assumptions that are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're not the only person with that information. Everybody else can do the same thing. And even if you do come up with what you believe the company is worth, you may then go look at the stock price and it might be 10 times higher than that. Yep. And it might have have been its whole its whole life and it might continue to always be 10 times more than it should be worth. Right, should be like according this is, this to your weird, yeah, sort of right, yeah. right. Because this again, is where things is like not reality, so you know, right. And this is where things like Bitcoin come in, right? And it's like yeah. Bitcoin is not useful and never has been, and I'm, I stand by that. <laughs> uh, I know some people are going to be like, no, it's a real, like, sure, okay. Uh, you've got your, you've got your stance. <laughs> I've got mine. Uh, but there was a point where suddenly Bitcoin was worth twenty thousand dollars. Yep, for like a for like a week. Um, and now it's back down to two or something. Mm-hmm. Something hilarious. Um, and none of this is based on anything tangible that can be predicted. It's based on a hype right? cycle. There's hype and there's randomness and there's and if we uh, could fear predict, of missing out. Yeah, and, if, if we could predict all those things and leverage them, then every product would be a success. You know, like well, no, and this and this is this is the the sort of like uh, the loop problem, which is if those things can be predicted, then they have been predicted and they are already taken into account in the price. Yep. Right. So the prediction itself impacts the, the outcome. Exactly. Yeah. So, so after studying for the CFA uh, charter and like learning all these things, the final lesson of it is you can't know anything. You can't. You can't actually. <laughs> you you can't actually use this knowledge to make decisions. Your job <laughs> about what CFA it was intended for is to trick people into giving you money to give them advice that doesn't have any have any real right. uh, predictive value. Right. I mean, because the thing the thing people always tell you is diversify your portfolio because you have no fucking idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Which is the true good. Which advice. is actually just an index fund. So, also this, which is just an index fund. Also our cross-platform so strategy, to be honest. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> yeah. Just diversify your portfolio because you don't know what's going to happen. That is the one sentence that you need mm-hmm. to be a, a lifetime successful investor. <laughs> yeah. Done. But I think you don't need a degree. And that is lifetime that. successful because in a given moment, you know – not working not for you. Successful. At any given moment, the entire global economy might collapse. I mean, these kinds of things don't really happen, but you know, they could. <laughs> but also, even when they do, sometimes the stock market is fine anyway because it's not. Because it's not. Yeah, what is to that about? What the because fact? it's not real. Yeah. It's not real. It's not. Anyways, we'll get away from that. The stock market is it's not close. real. Too close. It's just. It's just. It's just Bitcoin. All right. Next question comes from <laughs> one dead saint. So I tapped your address and Google Maps showed me a UPS store, which could only mean <laughs> that you guys you. are working out of a small P.O. box as your office. That's true. We have a shrink. Found us out. Shrink ourselves down I, and hop in there. My question is, why have you guys never talked about how tiny you are? <laughs> <laughs> are you always tiny or do you have a shrink ray that you use every day? Sorry, That's honestly been so. the best part of working remote is that we don't have to go through the extremely painful shrinking process every morning to get into yeah. the P.O. box. Yeah, I heard a lot. That was really bad. We do it still really in gets, a soundproof room because of all the screaming. Yeah, you just it gets you just in scream. your bones, you know. But it's the one of those thing about pains that like it 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 comes on real fast and then also turns off real fast. So it's just like it's almost like like jumping in from a if you jump into a snowbank and then jump into a hot tub sort of a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it just hurts and then it's done. Yeah, um, it's kind of one of those, but way worse. Like now it, the thing know, about way worse. Yeah, the thing about being worse. tiny that that most people don't really don't really get you know mm-hmm. is is that you know matter cannot be created or destroyed 
So when you shrink down, like if, if I weigh 180 pounds right now yeah. and I shrink down to be the size of a thimble, I'm still 180 pounds. You're real dense. Uh, and the, and the real problem is like, if you've got like 600, 700 pounds of, of people working out of a PO box, yeah. you know, the structural integrity of the, of the PO box, uh, is really compromised. Yeah. We had so a good upgrade one. Yeah. We had a good yeah. upgrade one, uh, on like the bottom, the bottom row. Uh, so they could like gird it on the bottom. They're not yeah. used to, you know, it's not actually a co-working space. It's, it's a postal store. So they're not it's used a UPS to, box. Yeah. <laughs> they're not really used to people, you know, working out of there. Uh, you know, especially with the screaming and stuff that happens before and after we. Yeah. And the other problem is like food, you know, cause when you go on your lunch break, like you still have the caloric nutritional requirements of 180 pound. But you got this little man. tiny baby mouth now. But you got this tiny mouth. And like, yeah. even if you want to drink water, you know, you can't drink it out of a cup because of surface tension. Best you could do is hold a tiny droplet of water in the palm of your hand. But if you use shrunken water, it's fine. Now. So we have to shrink all the food that comes in. We got to shrink yeah. everything. Because if we shrink the water, then pain. the surface tension is now scaled down also. So that's all fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, real, the real issue with kind of like being tiny is just the, the physics of everything. Really? Yeah. yeah. And then the yeah. ants, because yeah, the now ants are the real problem. The ants are everywhere. Oh my God. They're like lions. They're very easy to crush because again, you still weigh 180 pounds. Well, you pounds. punch them and they just go sailing. It's kind of they incredible. Just go. <laughs> but, uh, but if you get, I mean, getting bit by one, is just weird. It's, yeah, it's weird because, because it just kind of tickles because you're so dense that they can't they actually. They can't get in there. Get you're in so there. dense. Your, your skin is like stronger than steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like way like, stronger. An ant's not going to be able to fuck with you at all. But they no, look but really they're, horrifying. They're, they're terrifying. They're everywhere, God, and they're trying just, to get into your snacks. You're trying to slap them away, and they go sailing through the wall. It's incredible. Well, actually, the thing is, you, you try to you slap them, but because you just have so much momentum, it's like a bullet. So it's not that they don't go sailing through the wall. Your hand goes sailing through them. Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah. It's really, it's we got a lot of napkins that we shrunk down to to take care of the ant goo. Yeah. yeah. Now the the thing that the thing about the Ant Man movies. That really bothered me was how <laughs> was how I mean based on my own personal okay, experience yeah, of being, a lot of tiny, being tiny. It's like obviously if you were so small that people could barely see you, but still weighed 180 pounds, you would go through the earth. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd be so fucking dense. Like if somebody set that on a table, it would just like punch right through the table. You know. Mm-hmm. Or because if it's, it's if on a ant, point, yeah, it's a it's a hundred and eighty pounds of pressure yeah. on like a needle point, like that's yep. crazy, you know. So like if Ant Man is like the scene where he's like inside of Iron Man's suit and like pulling out shit out of his mm-hmm. out of his wires or whatever, it's like he would just go right through Iron Man's body and liquefy his whole being, mm-hmm. you know. Well, the scenes like where he's running on someone's arm. And it's like, no, the second he touched that person's yeah. arm, it'd be like snapped in half. Sort of a thing. Whose arm is strong enough that they can just hold their arm out and just have and a 180 pound, 80 pound man just it. standing <laughs> on it, you know? Like, so get unrealistic. It but they Come took on. it even further because they have him ride an ant, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah like, it's not a shrunk down ant that's even stronger than normal. It's a regular size. This is ant. a classic example. And he weighs 180 pounds. Oh my God. People not doing their research. Like, yeah. Yeah. we've been tiny for years. Like, why did they ask? You know? I got a lot of beeves with Marvel physics. Come on. We don't. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will go say, on for days. Ant Man is one of my favorite. Ant Man's dope. That's one of my favorite movies. So good. Once you that start so ignoring good. all laws of physics, Ant Man is an awesome yeah, movie. Ignore that, if you ignore that part. But you like have to ignore them all the time for all the Marvel movies. For all the Marvel movies, definitely. Yes. That, that whole, the the scenes were, because they did such a good job of the, of the physical gags where they they just like yep. all this action is going on and they zoom out and it's just like this whole like pew pew kind of effect that fucking like train, yeah. train set thing <laughs> the train the set yeah it's so good oh man yeah but you ever watched it man yeah, it's, watch it. it's a it's great so good. it's a great movie uh, all right we got time for one last question from chelosis what is the hardest part about designing a ui that works on touchscreens and also on consoles font size did you yeah, size. did you get tripped up by anything unexpected yeah, it's pretty like much it's the size things, of things. Actually. It's, it's size and also uh, uh, tool hover tips, hover text. Yes, yes. So you don't you don't get those on mobile, uh, or you have to come up with some weird way to get them. Uh, the size thing is mainly a problem because, of course, when you're looking at a game on a big screen, uh, you don't want it to look like a like it's being displayed on a phone, which is that it's like everything's humongous. And you see this a lot actually with games that port from mobile. And we actually our studio 
Levelheads are our first, really the first time we were like, we don't have to make things so freaking huge on PC and console. We just don't have to. Uh, Levelhead has a second problem, which is that it's probably more, it's way more information dense than most games, frankly. Because like every time we added something to those level cards, which our early access players will know evolved a couple times, um, everybody just wants to see more info. More, just like yeah. they just want more and we actually have and of course we want to give them more yeah and the thing is like we actually have people to know this but like there's a another half of the level card foldout that is not implemented but we never got around to implementing um that has like even more information on it mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where, like there's just so much stuff that people are like i need to i need to be able to see at any time the difficulty, how long it's going to take, who made it, uh, the top speedrunners, the top score, what their actual score and speedrunning time was, and then the replays, uh, all this other stuff. I need to be able to figure it and like it. Uh, otherwise, it's just garbage. And it's like, well, well the funny thing is, big bill. people would be like, I need this information. And then we would be like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And just, they'd be like, I just want it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to look at it. Yeah. Which is, honestly, it's a fair response because, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. You do want it. It's cool yeah. to see all this stuff. Actually, you what know, I added, you want to, uh, on the website, I added a tower browser and a marketing department browser um, to kind of match the in-game stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. one thing is that, what I, that I did when I was setting that up for the tower is in the little tag selector. Because uh, the way that I get the, the information about the tags is I actually have a I have an API endpoint that just sends me a statistical summary of all the tags and how frequently they're used in the game. So that's what I use to populate the dropdown for choosing tags. So I So I had all the data in there about how often each tag is used, and I was like, I'm just going to show this because like – Because it'd be cool. Fuck not? It's on the website. Yeah. So I have infinite space and, and like and iteration is cheap. So uh, – and it's just kind of interesting information. So so why not? And so now now if you go look at uh, look at the tower on the website, you can actually see how often each tag is used. Which of course me, like some people are like, oh, this is really cool. Like now I can use this to, to try to like inform what tags I should use, which honestly – Probably isn't going to do anything for you, uh, but but it is. <laughs> There's it, like thirty something thousand levels now. So yeah, but it, but it's kind Good of luck. fun, and I think and to me, there's like that idea. Right? It's that, it's that extra knowledge feels like you can do something with it. At minimum, it is always kind of interesting and neat to be like, oh, okay, like this is the most common thing that people do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can start making decisions based off of that. And I think just like in the real world, like speaking of economics and statistics and everything else, uh, you can base your decisions on numbers until you're blue in the face, and it doesn't do anything most of the time yeah it's um, like being a cfa but yeah but it's, in, but it's interesting <laughs> and it feels like you have done something right it and feels so, like you're using a good concrete core to yeah make so it gives really, you something to do yeah yeah and so in terms of like us, <laughs> us as game designers our job is to give you stuff to do right and so i think the main just value to entertain you that's what we're yeah, going to all these yeah. numbers right yeah exactly i think the main value in us providing numbers is is it's it's a uh, it's entertainment that's its whole thing and mm-hmm. uh and just like when anybody sees numbers anywhere, you may start developing theories based on those and you may act based on those. And all that is great because that just gives you more stuff to do, right? <laughs> uh, whether or not it actually does anything. Well, I mean, think, think about it though. Yeah. I mean, that, the, numbers, the numbers are part of the – it's part of the loop, you know, because in, in Levelhead, we show all this stats on your level. Yeah. But it changes nothing for you. Right, yeah, like you've, do you've made the level and you put it out there. And as far as like decision making goes, um, it's you're not really doing anything with because the level's done now. So you're not really doing anything with that information in the moment. You're just looking at it being like, well, that's your, yes, that's your payoff. Well, that's, but that's, yeah, like, that's the, the thing reward. is the reward. But right. I mean, it's not just the reward because I had I had somebody request being able on the on the website because again we have more flexibility there. Being able to sort the levels in on your profile view, so when you're looking at the levels that a person made or your own levels, being able to sort those by different properties. And, and the mm. rationale they gave was so that I can see what works and what doesn't, like with the levels right. that I've made, right? So I can see what right. things cause levels to what be. Are my, what are my best things, basically? So yeah, they what are my best things, what are my hardest levels. things, what are my whatever, so I can, I can try mm, yeah. to use that as a guide to make some decisions. And I think, to, and again, to me, this is really interesting because while, while there's probably a little bit of degree to you being able to do that, um, mostly, mostly you don't have enough information and can't get enough information to really know. And the same way that we can't about like, so we, so the, so we know some facts, we know how many people have played level head, right? We know, we know peak daily concurrency. We know how, how much time people are spending in the different parts of the game. We know all that stuff, but we don't know why we don't know why that stuff is happening. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and we also don't know how did people find the game in the first place? Like yeah, why are they Was it because of our ads? Right? 
Was it because of know. our ads? Was it because of featuring on the storefronts? Like friends, friends. There's no way for us to know, right? And so, so there are things that we can see and we can start making some guesses, but you can never have the whole picture. And so, the thing you never know is was your interpretation just completely wrong, and now you're just doing literally exactly the wrong thing, right? Um, from using those numbers. But again, you might go. find it's out something later. to do, and you and, and, and actually yeah, you almost never to get to find out. <laughs> But it's something to do, you know? You know, life is just an endless series of trying to find things to do. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. So, good, way to, good way to end it on, Seth. That's nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate to support the podcast. And links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. If you haven't we'll bought Levelhead, go buy it. Yeah, go buy, oh, yeah, level go buy Levelhead. Go buy it. And then if you haven't reviewed it, go review it. Also, get Crash Science while you're at it. You know, also, get, get Crash Science while you're at it. Right, go buy the it. best we'll way you can week. support this podcast is by buying everything that we make. Awesome. That's right. <laughs> so, right. Just bye. Do it. Okay, bye. <laughs>